We're going to preach a little bit here tonight on the thought of prayer. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and I'm, I'm actually just going to read these and use them as a backdrop to kind of minister tonight something that I believe God has spoken to my heart yesterday in prayer. But in Philippians 4 and 6, nothing that we haven't read and we probably couldn't uh, quote. We could quote it undoubtedly, but in Philippians 4, 6, he said, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And I want to finish with that seventh verse in Philippians. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is not in my notes, but I just want to say to you that sometimes there is no explanation. You just, you're looking for an explanation, and God said, I'm not going to give you an explanation, but I'm going to give you peace. Amen. And we don't stand upon explanations, but we stand upon God's promise of His peace. That He will give us peace that passes all understanding. But I can tell you it does not come if we do not seek Him and ask for that. There have been times I've said, Lord, I don't know what to do. And He said, just call upon me. Come away and be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God and thank Him. And He says, and the peace that passes all understanding will rest upon you. In uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, very familiar passage. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Did you hear that? You're to pray and I'm to pray with all prayer and supplication and watch with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I can tell you, we're to pray for our own selves and we're to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Are we our brother's keeper? I can tell you, yes, we are. Amen. We're to, we're to pray for them and to lift them up, and we're going to bring that out a little bit tonight. But then over in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, this is what it says, Colossians 4, 2, Paul said, continue... In prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. He was requesting prayer that the word of God would come forth from his life. And that he would be used. And, but I can tell you he's requesting prayer because he understood the power and the energy and the force behind somebody that prays and intercedes. And then, of course, one final scripture, which is, which is Psalms 119. Turn there with me. Psalms 119 and the 49th verse. And this is what it says. Beautiful, beautiful psalm. If you get to read Psalms 119, you're into some meat in the Word of God. But it says in Psalms 119, verse 49, He said, Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. There's great hope in the word that God has given unto us. And the word that he speaks is what's right here in the confines of our Bibles, but also what he speaks to us in prayer, which is the promises of God. And I'm thankful for his word tonight. We're going to be preaching on prayer. I want to pray before we start. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray over the word of God and the message tonight? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great privilege to be here. We thank you for your spirit and your presence. And I believe everybody that's here is here in the will of God, Lord. And I pray tonight as we begin to preach the word that you will help me, Lord, and equip me, Lord. Let there be an anointing upon my life and an unction from above, Lord, from the Holy One, Lord, that will speak through me, that will minister through me, Lord, that will teach things, God, through the words that I'm speaking and that you would communicate powerfully and clearly, Lord, 
Lord on the importance of prayer and the power and the arsenal of prayer that we have. Lord, we can call upon you and you hear us when we call. But Lord, what a great grace that you've given us of prayer to have that Holy Ghost hotline of prayer. God, to meet, Lord, with you, God, and to get the, th- get the answers to the requests that we make, Lord. I just ask you tonight, help me to preach this and minister this, that it would bring life and hope and strength to somebody tonight. And God will give you all the glory and honor. We thank you for it in Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Now I'm teaching tonight on prayer. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of Paul's many exhorts, his requests, and his declarations uh, on prayer. And I just quoted you three different places in three different letters to three different churches. And how that he made those requests and they were somewhat the same, but yet somewhat different. But the Holy Spirit reminded me of his many exhorts and requests and declarations about prayer. And that shouts to us the possibility of prayer. That's why we're exhorted to pray. Because I can tell you it's needed in our lives. It's a force. It's a power. I can tell you of prevailing with God and seeing God move. So it shouts to us there's a possibility in prayer that prayer is a discipline and it's repeated over and over again to pray why is it repeated over and over again to pray because I can tell you the devil knows the power and the possibility that we have when we pray when we pray the doors of heaven are open amen God moves mountains out of the way he begins to bring things to pass that seem to be impossible because he's a God who answers us when we pray that's why Paul said pray, pray, pray begin to pray for me begin to pray for the saints of God begin to pray for yourself because this is God's means that he secured through Calvary's cross that we could have an open heaven and we could prevail with God in answers it's also repeated over and over and over again because I can tell you there is a there is a, a in it the language of a rescue or an intervention of a person's life that depends upon intercession somebody I can tell you their life counts upon you interceding for them my nephew being here today and being here this week many times I've prayed for him many times I've cried out to God for him I can assure you and and God may have answered in his time and that's all right because he's an on time God but he answered my prayer and so many lives depend upon the intercession the rescue and intervention of God as we pray also why must we pray because it brings about the glory of God in a greater magnitude and a greater you know a, 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 a greater glory than any other way it could be and the growth and the fullness of the work of the Holy Spirit and you and me all of these things are done because of prayer and by prayer prayer must be preached it must be preached constantly we must hear a steady diet of that because the enemy wants to get us off of our knees because he knows the power that is in prayer when we prevail with God that's why he he fights against your prayer life that's why he fights against you whenever you're crying out to God or he fights against you in prayer to make prayer something that doesn't seem to be fervent or doesn't seem to be a fiery fervent faithful prayer sometimes we go through the motions but God is saying that don't go through the motions don't allow your prayer life to become something that's vain but something that's powerful amen powerful in prayer we need to be people that are powerful in prayer Now, I want to get into this powerful word, but begin with a disclaimer. We cannot let prayer's purpose, prayer's purpose be out of legalism or works or dogmatism. What do you mean? People will teach on prayer as if it's something 
that you do, but it's just a calisthenic that we go through or a religious exercise. But I assure you, if that's the way you think about it, you've got the wrong way of thinking. I don't just go to prayer to put in my time. I go there because I need to be with Him. I go there because I gain strength in that place of prayer. I go there because I can tell you I have needs and other people have needs. And God has given me a hope in His Word unto me through His Word and the promises of times past that He is a prayer answering God. That is why I go to prayer. Not just because I want to say, well, I put in my study time and I put in my prayer time and I did that. Now it's out of the way. And I can go do whatever I want to do. No. We must know this great power and arsenal. This great energy. And this great grace that God has given us in prayer. It has to be preached. Prayer is not homework. It's not religious practice to score points with God. God's not moved by our discipline. He's moved by our devotion. Did you hear me? He's not moved by our discipline as much as He's moved by our devotion. We must have a fiery devotion. We have to always see prayer for what it truly is. Uniting with God's purposes and seeing those purposes through the action of prayer come to pass. Did you hear me? When you pray, you're uniting with God's purposes, His will, His purpose, and you're securing those purposes through the action of prayer. And realize who we are dealing with. The almighty, powerful God. A lot of times I preach it. But I sit and I look at the congregation sometimes and I wonder if we really believe it. I think it was Brother Clinton that said, if we really believed he was a prayer answering God, we'd never get off of our feet, off of our knees, I'm sorry. Come on now. That's one of those things that should put us in check. We must realize who we are dealing with. We're dealing with an almighty, powerful God. The God of possibility. Amen. The God of possibility. I was coming down Harbor Boulevard one time. Fullerton Road, I guess. Coming down and we drove by that big it's a big church there on the hill. I mean, you couldn't pick a better building as far as the view is concerned. And it's just, I mean, it's a multi-million dollar building with a huge uh, uh, a parking lot there and a big building. And I just looked at it and I thought, man, I said, Brother Talbert, it'd be so awesome to have a church like that. I said, the location, the building, you know, I said, but it's just, it's just so out of reach. He said, Brother Skiles, let me tell you something. He said, when you're going to pray, he said pray big pray big he said God can flex his muscle and he can flex it a little or he can flex it a lot he said but you're dealing with the king of kings you understand that and you need to offer up prayers that are worthy of a king hey man don't think little don't think on a small scale. Believe me for, for great things because I can do great things is what God says. Is anything too hard for your God? Come on. Is anything too hard for our God? You know, people, they almost begin sometimes to, to just kind of uh, bristle a little bit whenever you begin to talk about how awesome and how big and how great God is in our life. I'm not talking about something that's selfish or something that's self-centered. I'm talking about a God who looks down upon his people and says I will, amen I will move that mountain out of the way if you'll pray the prayer of faith what you ask for in prayer you can believe God and it'll come to pass, I didn't write that Jesus said that <laughs> come on <laughs> so the, the, he is the God of possibility, the almighty powerful God remember this church, remember this the cross, 
the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus that he shed opened up heaven for us. It opened up the floodgates of heaven for us. It gave us total access to God. If you read Romans 5 and Hebrews 4, you see that all of a sudden there's this open heaven. We have access to God. We have an open heaven. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. Amen? In our time of need and trouble. But I love this in Romans 5. He said, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace. We can come to God in peace, not in in concern or guilt or in condemnation. We don't have to come up like this and be like, oh God, you know, I, I, no. He said, come boldly before the throne of grace. Why? Because Jesus secured that access for us. He secured that peace for us that we can come boldly. I don't come in arrogance. I come in confidence in Jesus Christ. Do you believe it tonight? But he said you have peace with God and so you have access in Romans 5 by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Amen. Are you hearing me tonight? There is access because of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. He purchased that for us. So you have just been given a prayer credit card, if you will, with no credit limit. Well, I'm telling you, I believe it. Until this truth is settled and believed and you have faith that you have an open heaven, you'll never pray to God in faith that all things are possible. You'll always live on the sidelines wondering, is God big enough to do it? I can tell you he's big enough. He's big enough. He's big enough. I want to share something with you that may not seem like something big to you, but it was huge to me. You know, I had done something really dumb several years ago, and I refinanced my house at a higher interest rate. And uh, I just remember in the midst of the pandemic, you know, everything, everything in, in 2020, everything you know, was just kind of unsettled and people didn't know about their jobs. They didn't know about anything. It was just kind of all of this uncharted territory and unknowns. But I began to get down and I began to pray and I began to seek the face of God. And uh, I said, Lord, I said, you know, this, this, this house payment, you know, this interest, you, you, I'm just asking you to help me to refinance this house and I I know it's going to be a miracle if you do it but I tried to do it myself I tried to search it out myself and I tried had a couple people try to run my credit and this and that and 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 try to get me a new home loan and I just remember that it was no 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 every door was slammed and so here I am with this what I would call at that time a high interest on my home now listen this is this is serious you know 30 years for a long it's a long time to pay high interest and so here I am and I just remember in prayer one day I said God I said I commit it to your hands I put it in your hands and I said if you want to help me to refinance this thing and lower this payment then you're going to have to open up the windows of heaven and do it and if you don't do it then I know you'll you'll meet the need no matter what this economy does no matter whether the church goes from 100 down to 10 people I know you're going to meet the need I trust you and believe you well about a month and a half passed by maybe two months and uh It was about October or November of 2020. And my lender, my lender, which is New American Funding, they called me out of the blue and they said, we want to do this streamline on you with your, with your finance, with your, uh, with your home loan and your mortgage. And I said, my credit score is not where it needs to be. I'm not going to qualify. And this and that. I said, I've already tried this. And they said, well, none of that matters. We're going to make this happen. And all of these things were obstacles, but one by one, they just began to fall over. And with Within a week, I had a refinance mortgage, a streamline. I didn't have to do anything but not make my payment for two months. 
and went from like 5% down to 2.7. Raina knows what I'm talking about. She does home loans, amen. 2.7, you can't get lower than that, my goodness. I said, hallelujah, amen. I said, God said, I did that for you. You didn't even search that out. I got that for you. I did that for you. He's a God that hears us when we cry unto him. Don't try to force my hand because whenever I do something, you won't get 3.5, you'll get 2.7. If we'd have did it your way, Jonathan, it'd have been three point five or four point five. But I gave you two point seven. Amen. It is amazing. It is amazing, and it all just happened, and it just fell together. And God said, "Seek ye, seek ye first the kingdom." Seek me first. Seek me. I'll make everything fall in place. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. People say God's not interested in that. Oh, yes, he is. He said, I'll perfect the thing that does concern your heart. Amen. Now they're calling me left and right, trying to get me to go at 7%. I said, do I look like I have stupid written across my forehead? Do you realize that I don't know that we'll ever see 2.7 again? Thank you. I'll keep my mortgage. I'm happy with it. Isn't God good? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What I'm trying to say to you is this. The cross opened up so much for us. And until we believe and understand the power in an open heaven because of what Jesus did, you'll never pray effectively. Are you hearing me? You'll never pray like you could pray or like you should pray. This is why the cross preaching is so, so, so powerful. That act accomplished so much. Mainly that if God went to the extent that he did to send Jesus, allow him to die for our sins, to break the power of sin, to redeem us from the punishment and the wrath of sin, to reconcile us and restore us back unto communion with God, for it says that through the blood we've been drawn nigh unto Him. But I love that scripture in Romans 8.32 where it says, He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Amen. Everything that you need, He'll give it to you. Everything is in the cross. Everything is in the cross. Because it opened up heaven for us. It allowed us to have the opportunity to pray in the Spirit. Oh, we must have faith in the possibility of prayer. We say we pray, but do we really pray? Pray. Pray. Paul expressed prayer for the saints and himself from ministry in, F, F, in, the, in the letter to Ephesus and the Colossians letter, which is our opening text. Let me just say to you that intercession is the greatest form of love. Intercession is the greatest form of love. How can you say that, Pastor? Because the Bible says that after everything that Jesus did, He still makes intercession for you. That means love doesn't quit. Love continues on. He didn't say, I love you to the cross and I'm not doing anything else for you. No. He said, He still ever liveth to make intercession for the saints because He has saved you and I to the uttermost, to the greatest possible level and measure that you could imagine to the greatest level of maturity, the greatest level of enjoyment, the greatest level of blessing, the greatest level you could ever imagine. Amen. That's love that continues on. Love never stops. Love never ends. The greatest is love. Amen. Faith may be gold by the wayside when you see him face to face, but his love never ends. Amen. It never quits. It never gives up. So he's a God who continues to intercede and he says to us if you'll pray you'll intercede and the love that you have and you put into intercession is the greatest form of love (laughs) because it's secret love 
we all love to love whenever you people know that you love them. But when was the last time you interceded for them and you never texted them and told them you were praying for them? You just did it in anonymity. Anonymous. Not even anonymous. You didn't even say anything. You just kept it between you and God. There have been times I thought, Lord, I wept and cried and prayed over somebody and in prayer. I'm crying out to God for them. I thought, you know what, Lord, I'm going to text him and let him know. He said, don't. You don't have to say nothing. Just intercede for them. Love them. With them never knowing that you wept and cried and bled over them in your prayer closet. That's love, I can tell you. Secret love, selfless love of giving in anonymity. Amen. Not not praying in animosity, but praying in anonymity. Oh, I've prayed in animosity before. I said, Lord, get them. Would you just get them? They've hurt me so bad. Just get them. You know, and he said, don't do that. It'll come back on you. Don't even act like you ain't prayed like that because we all have at some point. We all have, but intercession is the greatest form of love because it's secret love, it's selfless love of giving in anonymity. You move from praying for yourself to others in their desperate need, and there is no greater blessing. We always think of the blessing. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You think that's only money. Give in prayer. Weep and cry over someone. And then when you see them walk through the door and the only person that knows that you cried out to God for them is you and God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. This is good stuff tonight. So you move from praying for yourself to another's desperate need to bring a prayer for supply, support, and compassion, all of which is an outflow of our God. Who gave everything for us? <laughs> Jesus said, Greater things than these shall you do. That included the magnitude of your intercession. Greater things than these shall you do. You shall intercede like he interceded, but the magnitude of intercession in billions of Christians or millions of Christians. Think about that. Think about that. Moses, which was a type of Christ was the greatest example of compassionate intercession. He interceded because he knew it was the potency and the power of God released from somebody that dared to believe God could do it. Four times Pharaoh solicited the prayers of Moses. Think about that, praying for your enemy. Praying for your enemy for relief of the fearful blow of God's wrath. He said many times, Pharaoh did several times, entreat the Lord for me, Moses, to get rid of these frogs. In Exodus 8, 12 through 13, the Bible did exactly, the Bible says that God did exactly that, and the Lord did according to the word or prayer of Moses. This happened time and time again. Can you imagine if after Pharaoh got his answer and he went back to his antics and his, his you know, uh, the way he was and all of the evil that he was, if Moses said, well, I'm done praying, I ain't going to pray again. But I can tell you Moses had the heart of Christ. He was a type of Christ in intercession. He never quit praying. Amen. And I know it was for God's people, but many times Moses was entreated by uh, or, or, or asked by uh, Pharaoh, get rid of the hail, 
Get rid of the flies. Get rid of this plague and that plague. And every time Moses would begin to cry out to God and every time God began to bring the answer, whether it was Pharaoh or the children of Israel, whenever they were dancing around the golden calf, Moses interceded for them whenever they were dancing around that calf. Or whether it was Korah who rebelled against Moses' leadership or Miriam who rebelled against Moses' leadership. Moses always stood in the gap and filled in the hedge and made up the difference that between God and man as he began to intercede. I want you to think about that. Jesus is the bridge that bridged the gap between us and God. But we, amen, begin to pray standing upon the promises and the power and the efficaciousness of the cross and everything that it has done for us. And we stand in the gap for somebody and we intercede for them. Think about that for just a moment. People are sitting in this church tonight because somebody called out to God for their soul. What we see here in the Word and that Moses teaches us is that there is an unhindered, bold access to God. And He hears you when you cry. And church, I'm going to tell you something that I know from experience. The cry that gets the attention of God that he cannot turn away with, turn away from is the compassion that you feel for somebody in their devastation and in their trouble and in their pain and in their darkness. When you see them, God jumps in as you begin to cry out and say, God, have mercy on them. Have mercy on them because, see, you're doing what they cannot do on their own or they're not doing on their own. They could cry out to God, but they're not. They're in darkness, but we're children of light. We're standing in the light, seeing them in the darkness. And he said, call upon me. Amen. I hear you. If you see a brother or sister taken over in a fault, you that are spiritual, restore them. Restore them in prayer. Stand up behind them. Amen. Pray for them. I promise you, God hears that cry of compassion. How do you know that, Pastor? Because there's been many, many, many times I've cried out to God in compassion for somebody and I said, God, intervene, 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 please. God, for them. And he began to run and rally to the occasion and he began to answer that prayer. Hallelujah. So many times our prayers are so self-centered. They're so all about us. But church, you will never have a greater blessing than the day that you begin to cry out to God and intercede for somebody that cannot do what you can do because they're in darkness and bondage and the devil has them handicapped or has them, you know, handcuffed and chained. But as you begin to pray, God, break those chains. He begins to do that and it all starts in a prayer closet. Almighty oh, God. Intercession. What? What a great grace that God has given to us for somebody else. We will never know until we get to heaven the tragedies that have been avoided, the strategies that have been thwarted, the attacks of hell that have been aborted. Or the problems solved, the perplexities that were sorted out, or hardened hearts that God changed because someone interceded. I remember years ago, my stepmom's dad was Vernon Smith. He's went on to be with the Lord, but he was a great preacher. He was a great preacher, great man of God. Man of prayer. One time, there was a man in his church that had that had uh, been in the hospital and he was in a coma. Well, Brother Smith was old school. He prayed until God intervened. You're either going to heal him, Lord, or you're going to take him, but I'm not going to quit praying until you do something. And that man came out of that coma. And his family asked him, do you remember anything? And he said, all I can tell you 
is he said, I saw Brother Smith praying in, in his room in a chair, crying out to God, God, spare his life. Don't let him die. Let him live and not die. And he said, I saw that. That's the only thing I saw. And, 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 and God raised that man up. I'm telling you, God hears us when we pray, when we intercede. It was Glenn Berteau at, at, at Pastor Lee's conference. It was a few years ago, but we went there and heard about how that, you know, he had that massive heart attack and he was in the hospital and he was in a coma. He was on life support and his own testimony it was powerful. He said, I was sitting really in a dark room and he said, I could, I could feel uh, things around me and it was it was it was it was not peaceful it was almost a fearful thing he said but I could see a door with light so bright and he said all I could hear was the people of God praying you heard it Judy and he said I could hear my wife's voice I could hear people in the church's voice as they're crying out to God spare our pastor heal our pastor bring him back to life bring him back God and he said I could hear that and he said in just a moment he said it's like there was something behind me that pushed me through that door and he said I woke up in that hospital and I'm looking around and there's my wife praying over me what I'm telling you is that what I'm saying to you is real tonight God is a God who hears us when we pray and it's an intercession and he gives us these little examples of somebody that's been there weighed in the balance but somebody that intercedes for them prayer it's not an exercise we do that's religious so we can get brownie points from God it's real he's real and he hears us when we cry the only reason that he doesn't answer like we want to is because his will is something else but I can tell you when it is his will you pray and you believe God. You pray in faith and intercede. We have this great spiritual grace called prayer. It's powerful. It's powerful. It moves mountains out of the way. And possibilities out of the way. And makes all things possible. Prayer has changed. Many, many bitter waters of Mara and made them sweet. The people were murmuring and complaining. Moses said, God, what am I going to do? He said, cast in that tree. You know that tree is type of a cross. He makes those bitter places and those bitter waters sweet. You know, you'll hear somebody share a testimony about all the horrific things that they've experienced in their life. But they'll say, you know what? But for the glory of God, I stand here today. And I raise my hand and I say, thank you, Lord. Because even though it was ugly and all of that, God showed me how he turns everything around. And he makes something beautiful, something good. Out of all my confusion and out of all of my problems in darkness, all of my troubles, he makes something beautiful. Something beautiful. Amen. Prayer changes many bitter waters of Mara and makes them sweet, including us. Now don't say anything because you're hoping somebody else hears this, just listen to your pastor. The closer we get to God, the sweeter He wants us to be. And He'll make us through prayer. Through prayer. You know, I can be frustrated, maybe angry or upset or hurt or experiencing a lot of things, and I can go to prayer. And I come up from that place out of bitterness, sweet. Even saying, you know what, Lord? Maybe they didn't realize what they did. So you know what? I'm going to show them grace. Maybe they didn't realize what they did. You said that on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Maybe they didn't see it. 
Maybe one day they'll see it. But you know what? The greatest thing is that no matter what happened to me, I feel the joy of the Lord, and I feel your love, and I feel accepted by you, and I'm happy in you. I'm blessed. Amen. I come from prayer many times, heavy, went there heavy, and came, and that was lifted. Didn't mean the problem went away, but he gave me grace for the problem. He gave me grace for the problem. And I've watched as he begins to do what he wants to do. Amen. And what he intends to do. So he'll make us sweet. Prayer is God's means to change us and make us sweet. I've touched on the possibility of prayer, also the power of intercession. But what a work and transformation prayer does in us. You cannot stay the same person if you set out to commune with God. Change has to come. It must come. If you really get down to business with God and you pray and seek His face and you're praying full of the Holy Ghost, that's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit of God. But change will come. And I think primarily because when you truly, honestly, genuinely, heartfeltly, if that's even a word, begin with heart with a heartfelt spirit, began to pray, there is a new position that is realized. There's a new position that is realized. In other words, God now sees you are responding and engaging on a whole nother level. Like Moses said, let me turn aside and see this sight. What am I saying to you? What I'm saying is that, and I, I may be wrong, I'll accept that if I'm wrong, but I feel like the Lord wants me to say this, and I don't think that it's out of order. But it's like we don't ever see any change in our life. God does not expend his great power and, and, and spirit upon somebody that is not interested. Okay? But whenever he begins to see, and I'm talking about changing. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about changing us. You, that's why we'll come and we'll pray at an altar, but we don't ever see a change come because God knows what's down deep in our heart. God knows if we really mean it or not. I'm going to tell you, you want to know why you don't feel the power, the, the, the dominion and, the, and, the, and the, uh, the, the, the strength of, it seems like, the sin that you battle in your life is because you have to really, truly repent and you have to say, I'm repenting. I'm turning from this. And I'm not just going to come up here and cry off conviction, but I'm going to stop doing this, God. I'm going to make a decision to stop doing it. And God says, all right, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to give you the power to employ the choice that you've made to stop this nonsense. But if you don't mean business to repent, I can tell you, you'll walk right back and do the same thing again and again. But when you make up your mind, I'm going to serve God. Amen. I'm going to serve you, Lord. I'm going to repent. And you mean it from your heart. God begins to get in that boat with you. Are you hearing me? But I believe that when Moses finally stopped and he said I'm going to turn aside and see this sight it's like us saying you know what Lord I want a deeper place in you and you've touched me and I'm going to pursue this I'm not just going to look at it and go oh yeah that was a great thing I'm not going to come to conference and just go oh it was a great touch and I felt the spirit of God no this has changed my life it's changed the direction of my life it's changed the trajectory of my life I'm going down another road now and that road has put me on another level see I got your attention Moses and now I want you to go to Tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Well, who do I tell him that told me? Well, tell him that I am told you. Amen. There's a level of God that you know that you haven't known before. Because you turned aside. You said, I'm going to check this out. I'm not just going to go, whoo. Man, that was, wow, that was neat. No. It's always that person that lingers in that altar. They didn't leave when the music ends. But they say, you know what? The devil goes, yeah, you better watch out for that one right there. Because they're taking this serious. They actually believe this. So we're going to keep an eye on them. And that's his greatest fight. You're the greatest target. 
Because you're down there and you're saying, God, I need you. And this isn't something that I can just shake off. Amen. Amen. You ever been there where you said, I just don't even want to get up? I've had people say, man, you are, you're way too serious about this. I said, do you realize we're talking about heaven and hell? See, the thing is, you don't believe the reality of heaven and hell, and I do. I do. Amen. That's why I take it so seriously. God's a, game, God's a team player, but he's not a game player. So let's be real. Moses entered into a new dimension and a new place. I'm talking about prayer. I'm not saying that you're not saved in your nominal Christianity. Pastor, why do you say it like that? Because I can tell you, he said, those that draw nigh unto me, I'll draw nigh unto them. You go a mile, he'll go too. Step out of the boat. Watch God move. Come on now. It's a position. It's a position that you're in a whole nother level. Many never care, nor have eyes to see or ears to hear what God has planned, purposed, prepared for those that love him. Amen. Amen. My God. But everything changes when we see and know God is real and a reality. Prayer in the Holy Ghost changes your character. That's why we got to be full of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, and pray. And that Holy Spirit begins to change you. Amen. Begins to change you. He begins to show you things. You know, even things that you think are just incidental or insignificant. I was at the gym, and this kid was standing next to me. And um, in my hurry and scurry, he asked me a question. And I gave him a response. I wasn't rude. I wasn't, but I was just, you know, just in a hurry. And I just, I, I don't even want to say that I didn't want to be bothered by him because I didn't feel that way, but I just was not acutely aware that God was giving me an opportunity to talk to somebody but I wasn't paying attention. And I went out to the car, and God said, you've asked me to help you to cross paths, and I didn't even make you go up to that person and engage in conversation. They approached you. And he said, this is why you've got to pray. More than you're praying. Not because of the discipline, but, but so that you are so sensitive to every time because somebody, you could have talked to him about God. God's trying to change us, and he does that in prayer. And I'm not up here with this Bible slapping you around telling you, you got to pray, you got to pray, you got to pray just for the sake of prayer. There's a reason behind it. There's an there's a eternal purpose and value behind it. We say it all the time. So many lives depend on what we do. It has to be prayer in the Holy Ghost that changes us. Or you have not the Holy Ghost. The real evidence of Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost power in your life is fruit. Let me just make a statement, and I don't care what anybody thinks about what I'm going to say because I'm the pastor here and I'm responsible for what I say. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. But you can speak in tongues from here to the outside of the church to the parking lot. If you don't have fruit in your life, you don't have nothing. That's a good place to say amen. We, the Bible,
Bible even says that. When you truly get filled with the Holy Ghost, he starts with the tongue. Why? James said, if you can control that tongue, or if God can bring that tongue under subjection, he can bridle the whole body. Our, the character of our life in Christ coming out is what is really, truly the fruit of the Holy Ghost. I've seen people be mean and be used in gifts. But character is totally different. Fruit of the Spirit. We need to have both. But Paul said, I can tell you right now, if you do not have love, I don't care what your gift is. It's nothing. It's noise. So this is a message to all of us. God, let the, let the evidence of the Holy Ghost in my life be fruit. The fruit. The power of God. Amen. Praise God. And prayer. In prayer. He does that work. He changes who you are. Who we are. It's godly character. It's love. It's grace. Grace is gracious. Let us not just desire the power of God and authority, but the character and the heart of God. That only comes by prayer and the Holy Ghost. And may God cause us, as we pray, to be changed from Jacob the supplanter to Israel, the prince who prevailed with God and man. Everything changed. Even what his brother intended to do. Esau came with an entourage ready to settle an old score of betrayal. But in one night's prayer meeting, oh, Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord until he finally came and he said, I've dealt with a root down deep inside of you. Wrestled with him. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And so he thought, I finally got him at a place where he's ripe. He's right. He's ready. He's serious. He said something to me. He's not. He's desperate. He's not going to let go. And the angel of the Lord said, what's your name? Because remember, you said it was Esau. Remember. What you got to deal with, Jacob, is that God doesn't need any supplanters in his family and in his tribes. He needs somebody that's real with him, that has some character, because he cares a whole lot more about your character than he does your charisma. And he said, my name's Jacob. He said, yeah, I finally got you to admit it and die. And now your name's changed. I'm going to knock your hip out of joint so that you always remember this battle. It was a landmark in your life. Why are you walking like that? Oh, let me tell you. I met God down there at that Fort Jabbok. He changed me. He went from there and he met up with Esau. And God changed the heart of that man. In one night's prayer meeting, don't tell me God can't do it. I've had people say they'll never change. I said, oh, don't ever say that. God can change somebody in a moment. He changed you. He changed me. He changed my dear sister here who was a Buddhist. I'm not saying nothing she ain't ever shared before. She was a Buddhist. And the only one right now really in her immediate family serving God. But you know what? She's touched God. She met with God. You hear old Judy in here praying. I said the other day, I said, I'm not trying to put you on blast, sis. But I said, who is that praying? Who is that back there praying? I think it was Kylie. He said, Judy. And I said, oh. I said, my God. To be able to touch God. To know God in such a way. Oh, Lord, let it be a set of us that they know us by 
our prayers, the answer to our prayers, our character, who we are in God. Amen. Almighty God tonight, <clears throat> thank you, Jesus. Would you bow your heads in prayer?